All right, all right. Check one, check two. This is it. Welcome to the Cannabis Coffee Hour. With your host, me, Rob Cantrell, coming to you live and direct from the internet and beyond. I have coffee. I've had some cannabis. I got an amazing guest, a dope guest. This guy is hilarious. He's a, a very uh, funny comedian. He's also a great actor. He was on the show, The Bear. He's actually in the show, Killing It on Peacock. The Bear is on Hulu. Uh, his name is Carmen Christopher. Everybody give it up for Carmen Christopher. What's up, Rob? How you doing, buddy? <laughs> Good, man. How are you? How's it going, Carmen? Thank you for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm good, man. Sorry, like I said, sorry I'm outside. I um, had some leakage in, or my kitchen was like from the all the rain, and I'm in LA, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, not unfortunately. I do like it here, but you know, we met in New York. That's where that's where I got my my feet wet. Well, no, Chicago is where I got my feet wet, but New York is, you know, whatever. Long I know, short. I know, but I do not hate on California. You have come to a California-friendly podcast, my man. So I see you soaking up that vitamin D, that California sunshine. I know you've got some busted pipes or something went down, but it's really, it's really cold and wet here, bro. Yeah, man. Oh, brutal. Like today was like cold and wet like raining and just like like 40 degrees not even freezing because if it was freezing then it's going to be snow but it was right at that point where they're both bad where they're both cold like you instantly get the sniffles even before you get outside it's that cold i think like end of january all of february is when people start going crazy in new york because they're like, I just, I'm sick of this shit. I need it to be nice out. I want to have fun. And I just, my experience living there was always like, people just are like, that is a good time to get out of town. I think in L in New York, that is a good time to come to like LA for a month. Oh like, yeah. January, February ish. Like just get out of town, get rejuvenated, get ready for the year. Yeah, even just walk around, get some juices. Maybe somebody's got a pool, you know, just uh, just California. Yeah. Up. Yeah, uh, yeah, the winters are rough here, but you know, Chicago, I mean, that's like the roughest of the rough, except for Buffalo. I don't know what's rougher than Buffalo, but Chicago's up there. It really, it sounds like Chicago and Buffalo are pretty comparable. Like, I've never been <laughs> to Buffalo. But just, you know, knowing the guys, you guys that I know from there and seeing the like weather on the news, it like it's it's equally bad. I mean, the wind when I was back in Chicago for Christmas, the wind chill, it was negative 20. It's like, what? this is crazy. Negative 20. It's not even zero degrees. It's 20 below. You can't go outside. You can feel a cat or a mouse being outside. Just like that's brutal. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Chicago is nuts. The last month before I moved away from Chicago for a full month, it was like negative 30 oh. uh, wind chill. And oh. I like 
I just took an Uber to work every day and I was only like a 15, 20 minute walk from work. I just, you just couldn't be outside. It's crazy. Yeah. That's when it's, uh, you just, all you do is eat pancakes and drink whiskey and eat bacon eat, eat yeah. burgers and drink more beer and have more Vienna beef sausages, man. Uh, I got to hang out in Chicago. I had some college <laughs> roommates that were from uh, Winneka. And, okay. and uh, so I would end up there. And then during comedy, I would, I've played there a bunch. I didn't start there. You started there with the mm -hmm. Second City and the uh, Improv Olympics. Like, how fun was that scene? Did you have a blast doing that? Yeah. <clears throat> you know what? It's looking back, it feels so like, there's truly like no stakes. Like there's no, you like, you can't make it in Chicago. So like, <clears throat> there's no industry at your shows. There's nobody that gives a fuck. The only people that are going to your shows are other comedians. So you're literally just like making other comedians. Laugh. You're just trying to get good at comedy. Like you're doing it because you love it. And <clears throat> I don't think that's always the case for people in New York and LA, like there's something really pure about starting in Chicago that I didn't really understand until I lived in New York and now LA. Um, it, not to knock New York or LA, I love both of them, but like, it's just, it's super different. It's, I did, um, so I started in classes at Second City, then I started doing classes at IO and then I started doing classes at the Annoyance Theater. And I like the Annoyance more than all those for me, particularly because they like really just taught you how to like kind of just own whatever you were doing. And like <clears throat> they kind of like embraced if you were like a weirdo and <clears throat> let you help you try to like dig into that and like help you realize that that's like your strength and like <laughs> taking care of yourself is actually taking care of whoever your scene partner is. So if everybody's doing that, ideally, then like you just have a good scene. But IO was very like fun, but it felt like summer camp. It's just like a bunch of people doing like playing like inanimate objects and like animals and shit. <laughs> and like, like that's what like the classes were. It was like, you would do like a Herald and it would be like, people are playing like dinosaurs and cats. And it's like, I don't think I want to do this. You know, but it was like there were really good teams at I.O. There was like TJ and Dave and Cook County and these teams that you like learned a lot from. <clears throat> but but um, and then Second City was like very corporate, like you wore a suit to do comedy. And like it was cool because it was the only job in town and they got good crowds and everybody wanted to work there. And they had all the alumni photos on the walls. But it goes back like the second city goes back like to the 50s and like even the 40s. Like it's like that's what's so Paul dope. Silas, the compass players. <laughs> what are yeah, they all about? Like, they were like, I I don't I'm probably wrong. This is so, the, yeah, go but ahead. they were like putting up plays a lot. And they the compass players is kind of what turned into second city is what I think. I mean, I used to know all this stuff, but. I kind of haven't been doing improv and sketch in a while, so it's not really my um, 
I don't know. I kind of forgot about it. Yeah, there's a lot of history and lore. I didn't I started in stand up, but I did start in San Francisco. So there was a very creative, like funky vibe to it all. And there was uh, a a couple legendary uh, sketch groups killing my lobster. But then there was uh, it was called the Mime Theater. But it was actually Bill Graham came out of sketch comedy. They would do sketch comedy right off Mission, Dolores Park, which is a sick park. And then he was like a comedy dude. He was like one of us that ran around and book shows, but it was like kind of acting avant garde, you know, 60s, 50s folk scene. And then he started booking all the music venues. But yeah, they're like there's so much history with that stuff. Like it is it's American really, history. It is really cool. It is really cool to just think that like these people were doing shows also for like 10 or 12 people. And because they started doing it, other people liked it and they started like, it's just like it caught, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's crazy. Like they like, were like, especially then there wasn't like, as much opportunity as there is now so you really had to just be like taking more of a risk like right now it's like are you were working in the factory or you were with the mob or you were uh pushing pencils or you know you were maybe robbing purses like there was all- or you were putting on wigs putting on plays and like probably being made fun of by all your uncles and shit <laughs> <laughs> also i made a huge well not a huge mistake but Paul Silas is an NBA basketball player and Paul Sills and David Shepard are the guys that have founded the compass players. I just looked it up. Oh, cool. But that's kind of funny. If, I love if somebody fucking just came at me. Um, <laughs> um, San Francisco, that does sound like a cool, interesting place to start with somebody. Um, it feels like it could like it's a little bit similar to Chicago in ways. Yeah, um, there was like a self-sufficient scene there that locals dominate. Like there was <clears throat> the punchline today is even one of the best stand-up clubs, and so is Cobb's comedy club. And those were that's like a secondary cis- city with two A stand-up clubs. And then there's like uh definitely a bunch of different shows, but like Right when I got there, like Patton Oswald just left. Arge Barker was from there. That was the first time I saw Mitch Hedberg and Arge Bar- Barker, kind of like these uh, absurdist stand-ups that I liked that I really enjoyed, as well as like Dave Attell and Dave Chappelle. But it had a very, and it was the middle of San Francisco, so it's like weed-friendly, art-friendly, weirdo-friendly. It's just a really cool, fun place to start and to learn about this. But uh, but. The thing about improv, it's so it lends a hand to acting and booking acting gigs. Like I always say, like I tell younger comics, like don't shy away from improv because what you're learning is a is a style of acting that you can book auditions. You could book, you know, do movies and stuff. And that always lends itself back, you know, if you want to keep doing stand up. I 100 percent agree. Like, you know, I'm mostly. I think your thumb goes over the microphone like you're going out a little bit. When you stood up, you got the best sound. That's all. Is this this good? Oh, that's really good. Oh, you have a beautiful voice there. All right. My bad, dude. I'll try not to do that again. No. Um, 
I think that um, stand like I'm mostly doing stand up right now, but and for a while, like when I was in New York starting, I started stand up in New York. When I was starting it, I was like, fuck, I wish I would have like done this more, done it earlier. But now I'm kind of like, just because like once you do a bunch of different things, like stand up sketch improv and I was like dedicating my time to all of them and whatever. And then you just see people who like focused on one thing, just kind of like their career skyrocket. But I do think there is like such a benefit to like, yeah, those improv classes because you just have confidence to do. There's been so many times where I've been like on a set or something and you just keep going and you keep going and you just don't stop and you you already have the confidence to keep going because you've done a million shows and they don't call cut and then they end up using a lot of the stuff that you know i've improvised and that feels kind of cool but <clears throat> you just have like an extra tool to make you know whatever whatever they wrote a little bit better or pop a little bit more or a little bit more make it feel alive because i feel like nothing on the script is like fully like it doesn't have to be done, you know, like it could yeah. always like anything could always be better. I mean, unless you're like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of. Yeah, I don't know. I acted in Maisel and I think that needed to be because it had a certain pace. Like I watched a bunch of them and I could tell the director wanted it kind of like boom, 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 boom. But I only had a couple lines, but that's and it was, but it was at a scene where I had to, the lines had to bounce around. And I'm not, I wasn't a theater kid. I started with stand up, but now I enjoy acting. And over during the pandemic, I did a lot of auditions and stuff like that and booked like one or two out of thousands. But, uh, but yeah, I, it, it, it's just like, uh, I do think you're right. Like, and that, and also with improv and acting, it's a very vulnerable space. And then when you improv, you're kind of being vulnerable, like this could go all wrong, but trust me, it's, you know, you're going to get some gold out of it. And you learning how to yeah. push through <clears throat> that awkwardness is just a great muscle to have on any set. Totally, totally. And like, there are many times where I'm like, I just have to, you know, do what the, the script says. And that's cool and fine. And that's where the skill of like, you know, just like, I took acting classes in Chicago too, this place called black box. And I feel like once I started doing those acting, like when I started doing improv, I think I was just like kind of crazy. And like people were like, what the fuck is this guy doing type of thing? Like, I didn't know how to harness it. But once I started same doing these thing, acting, like tapping into your hidden goof, you were like, I'm just going to goof the fuck off and try to be as funny as possible. Exactly. I just went too big. But the acting classes that I took in Chicago, they really helped ground everything. And that, like, truly, like, a year after taking them, it was, like, I felt like I was getting, like, a lot of, like, compliments where it was, like, dude, you got, like, way better. And I was, like, you know, that made me feel, like, whoa, what? I used to, like, you guys think I used to suck or something? <laughs> but it was, like, it truly was, like, night and day. Like, the acting stuff is, like, there's, like, things that they do where I'm like there's certain actors where I'm like this is like fucking I just watched uh, Tar have you seen that no what's that all about um it's about this um uh, you you should watch it it's uh Kate Blanchett is the <laughs> star of it and she is like 
um the head of you know this like symphony and they um she she basically i don't want to i actually like it's i'll say this about it is it's a very slow um burn of like what happens with her story and i almost think it's better for you to go in not knowing anything and i definitely think that you should watch it um because it is like it's one of like like the first she sits she has an interview in the top this isn't ruining anything but like the first 10 minutes in i was like holy shit she's gonna be fucking um she's gonna be she's gonna win an oscar for this it's like incredible but she's like this renowned musician and stuff unfolds that's all i want to say you got me at symphony i think that's a great backdrop for a movie i like the symphony I like mm-hmm. the classically trained. Uh, I got a cousin that's in like the Houston. He does percussions for like the Houston Symphony. So, yeah. Uh, and I just watched like Whiplash, which I had never seen. Oh, before. really? What'd you think? Uh, it, 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 it was thrilling about it. Soundtrack is amazing. Uh, it's a little brutal. Um, You know, the relationship. I thought the car accident was a lot. It was great. You know, uh, it was yeah. shot so minimally. That's what tripped me out. I was like, dude, this is like seven actors in a classroom and yeah. some good drumming. Like, that's pretty much this. Good, is. good acting. Really good acting. Yeah, good acting. Just like focused on all acting. That's what the what, that was the thing that got me was that yeah, that-, that I was like, oh, shit, this is just shot like seven good actors. Knock the fuck out of this thing. Yeah, that guy did La La Land and Babylon, which just came out. Mm. Damien Giselle. Yeah. Um, but I think that yeah, I I I remember like when it came out, I liked it a lot. I was you know that was I don't know when how how old is Whiplash? That's like two thousand fifteen. I'm yeah, I'm guessing fourteen and fifteen. I remember it, and then like a series of drum movies came out. But I have yeah. been watching drum. I've been listening to some reggae dub. Like I've been getting really into dub. I don't know if you know about like uh, really good reggae dub music. I don't know a ton about it, but I'm sure I'd be down with it. Yeah, it's just good drumming, you know, and it's syncopated and the beats are different. I like I like good drumming. And that leads me to like, what kind of music are you listening to, Carmen? Oh, that's a good question. Um, a lot of a lot of always <clears throat> the last concert i went to was i went to the kendrick lamar and baby keem concert and i went uh two nights in a row it was so good it was it's like i love baby keem baby keem's kendrick lamar's cousin she's got like such a fun good energy and these guys are the best i think right now um Kendrick is keeping it alive and he's like, hasn't gone crazy and the beats are amazing. What he's saying is amazing and it's not super gangster now, but he's like a number one artist. Like you saw him probably in an arena. Is that what I'm thinking? Was it like, yeah, I saw him at the uh, crypto center, formerly Staples. Yeah. And how long is his set? And then how long is, is it baby Keem? Yeah. Baby Keem probably went, um, an hour and then Kendrick went an hour and they even had an opener. Um, so it was like, you got your money's worth in like um, Kendrick and baby Keem have um, some songs together. So 
by the end of Kendrick's set, they come out and they do those songs together and the place fucking explodes. And then, then Kendrick does about two more songs after that. It's just like, you're like the whole time I was watching it, I was like, they're doing the coolest thing. Like comedians are such nerds and comedians think they're so cool now. And it's like, these guys are the cool guys. I, you know, me, I love hip hop, but, uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of all the new stuff and the trap stuff, but I did like the Migos like uh, and it makes me sad. Like out of all that new shit, you know, I'm yeah. a old dude, man. Uh, but I, I thought they were funky and had fun and they were cool. And like just they had a different rhyme style and the beats were like futuristic as hell. Yeah, I like those guys, too. It's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame. Like they were at the top. Like that's like Kendrick. Like these dudes were holding it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. You gotta be thankful that we their hip hop has a Kendrick Lamar because I don't know. There's a lot of stuff out there, but there's a lot of stuff in in any industry right now. There's just so much content across the board it's just nice. of our city no! yeah. yeah there's a lot of toxic shit out there i think the mass of communication the mass of media with you know the internet exploding like every weirdo and so and so has an opinion and it's going to get out there you know and mentally we weren't ready to process all of this also the barrier of entry into doing like you know, comedy or anything is just like you and your phone. And like, there are some good things about that. It's nice that you don't have to like wait on a decision maker. You can fully like go in and like do something for yourself if you believe in it and it can blow up. And I think that's really great. Very but, empowering. But I also think that there is something to gain from like, it just I, it depends what you want. Like if you want to make something really good or if you want to be really good, there's such a benefit to just like doing all the shit that you don't want to do, like stupid classes and like showing up to open mics and like doing it the hard way, I think could make a better product if that's what you're interested in. If you're interested in like an actual like making a nice piece of art i think there's no shortcuts but there's no shortcuts to the hard work you know it's like you said like uh there is a zen philosophy i've been doing a lot of stretching a lot of meditating also a lot of herb but uh one 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 that stuck to me in my consciousness was um like the 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 hard way seems like the easiest way and the easiest way ends up being the hard way so you might as well just do that hard work. And I think that's what you're great about. If anybody, wow. Christopher, in the last two years over the pandemic, he put out a special on Peacock that you could check out that he roams the street with an amplifier and a microphone and gets at cats and does <laughs> material and talks to pigeons. And it's uh, hilarious and out there. And then you also, you know, you did three episodes of The Bear and you're writing and performing on this other show. So, yeah, you've been doing the hard work. I, I mean, I know you're also uh, talented and charming and good looking, but you have been doing the hard work. Oh, thanks, buddy. Was, uh, some big praise. 
coming from you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, brother. I think I told you this. You were one of the first people that I saw do stand up in New York, and I was like, "This dude rules." So <laughs> coming, I'm you know doing that thing where they you compliment back, but that is coming from you. That means. coming from a ucb theater uh, coming from an improviser like yourself that also does stand up that i do know what it's like to come to new york dude yeah there's uh i do have some cool memories of uh going to the lower east side and surf reality and i never seen a scene like that that was like real lower east side weirdos and people were smoking uh weed in the venue and the mic went on to 5 a.m i just remember seeing some original dudes that you know it just stuck in my stuck in my psyche so i appreciate it man that's awesome man that's i like yeah romanticize over like just like doing like fucking just scummy shows in new york where there's like cigarette smoke and like people are just drunk and it's just like you got to just get up there and it's just like a fun hangout afterwards it's almost like yeah it's nothing more punk rock i mean i think uh you're right with you know hip-hop is so dope and i do do some hip-hop Riding a beat is something really fun if you have if you can just go jump on a beat and ride it that's like super fun but doing stand up in a in a, like a grubby bar but then killing like there's nothing more like go fuck yourself about it you know it's just like dude i just rocked this room it's just a fun fun feeling you know yeah. it doesn't always pay the bills but not everybody gets to experience it Oh, I love that. I love that energy. Like that's the thing about that. I, I don't think, um, I feel like I'm missing out here from New York and I'm going to have to come back to New York soon and just stay for a while and do a bunch of shows because like, I like doing shows here, but there's like, it's not like rowdy in the way that it's like in, there's something about New York where like, you do a random show in a random room and you're like, I don't recognize any of these people. And I'm actually kind of like scared of a few people in the audience. And if I say something stupid, like who knows, you know, what I mean? who knows what's yeah. going to happen. Like there's something good about that feeling about like knowing that, like you just, I just don't like the audiences out here. They feel pretty similar each place that you go. Like I like the challenge of doing like the la- one of the times I recently went to New York, you know, I had, you know, a different show every night and every show was so different. Every feel was so different. Every audience was so different. So big. Yeah. I'm just like, holy shit. Like that's, that's fucking what New York is. And that's, what's so special about it. Yeah, it is. It is. As much as I complain, it does as stand up wise, it does make you a better stand up. It just forces you because you can't, because first of all, and it's not the best audiences, but nobody has time for anything. So you, they're not going to give you the be- and there's eight billion comics. So nobody's going to give you the benefit of the doubt. So you got to get funny and going to get funny quick. But being uh, but being uh, unique is also applauded as well, because everybody sees sees so much shit. You know, it's kind of yeah. like pizza here. You know, all the New Yorkers oh, totally. good pizza, you know, and they'll give you the quality rating you know off the bat because there's so much yeah that's interesting because when i was in chicago it was like you know really learning comedy figuring it out and like i felt like by the time i left i'd made some like good you know headway and just got a lot better 
felt pretty good and but i was like considered like a weird comedian maybe or a weird person in the scene and then i felt like i got to new york and was immediately embraced and like new york was just always felt like well there's i'm there's no way i'm the weirdest guy let's just like look around this place is like <laughs> filled with like just yeah, yeah. Like you don't even know yeah in, in a good in a good in a really good way yeah um but like new york too going back to it like new york teaches you how to like really just take over a stage and be like i like i'm in charge here i feel like yeah you know yeah because they'll nobody has time a day for you so you have to like you know and the name of the game is getting attention so if you're not holding their attention if you're boring you know new yorkers will space on you <laughs> i know so that's it's entertaining works. quick buddy that's why everybody likes crowd work so much because they feel they feel the like the rush or the fear of like the like you know um being like embarrassed or like held like accountable to make sure that they're like listening it's like it gets it gets everybody on their toes because then they're like am i next like it feels like everybody all these comics now all they do is they post their crowd work and like they get a ton of views it's like I guess the general audience just like loves that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a skill to it and I mean, I could do it, but, um, yeah, but it is a kind of a substitute for writing at the end of the day. And then like good writing, like trumps everything. Like there's some comics that just have had whole careers off of one really well-written joke. You know, it's yeah. just like, if you have a good fucking joke, that's the diamond. And so nobody could fuck with the diamond. So that's kind of what you're looking for, I think, with stand up. But at the same time, it that diamond could be in the moment and improvising and flow state and all that. But yeah, a lot of the but a lot of the improv that like the crowd work that I've been seeing, it just it's so lazy. It's like very easy. And it's like, you know, the tropes and it's like as like guys like us that have done stand up for a while now it's just like a thing where you're like of course that's going to get the laugh like that's the easy like you're yeah yeah these hacky tropes are blowing up on i could see the frustration are blowing up on ig reels it's crazy are getting booked at the funny bone now uh for this like half ass act it's yeah it's really weird but yeah it is i think there's something special for me like to, that, that i like is like you know know your material have good material but like you know leave the homework at home when you're on stage anything goes but it's like you have the good material to fall back on but in that moment you're you always have to be ready to like speak to that moment because like that's what's great about like either like live theater stand-up anything that's like happening in the moment is like addressing that moment you know living in that moment but I, i'm not opposed to it i just i'm just like you're starting to do some headlining stuff out there with stand-up yeah yeah for the last um year or so i've been headlining a little bit more and well, it's that's fun. the magic moment man that's what you got to remember not to not to play papa or whatever but uh that first three minutes of you being a headliner if you could push that carmen you you just should go in in the next headlining gig and say how far can i push that opening moment where you're not on any material. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, interesting. That's yeah. where the improviser can win. 
Like uh, that's where I've seen improv dudes win. And that's what I've always. And if after a while stand up gets boring because you're doing the same act, especially if you're touring and headlining and people are paying money for tickets, you can't be slack. So you go back to the old material. But one of the magic sacred moments. But, you know, as you know, you could fall on your face and then you got to dig yourself out of hole. But there is a like a percentage of it being on your side the minute you get on stage. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why do you say <clears throat> why do you say do that the first three minutes? Because it's open because that that space is just wide open for you to like because everybody's acknowledging. And so my move is just try to get one little funny joke. That's when somebody does something, you know, like local, like when we were in uh, when we were in Dewey Beach and I was like, oh, this is like the Hamptons of Baltimore, <laughs> you know, just like and that was something that was half ass coming to the stage. But if you can fuck with that moment and it, that got just as big as a laugh as anything else I ever said or yeah. even bigger because it was in the moment. So you kind of want to like try to stack. You want to try to stack that moment. You, you've seen guys just dick around in the beginning of their set. You, yeah. That, I mean, Rory Scovel's whole set is that dick around. He he took that moment and pushed it all the way all the way through, you know, and came from a whole improvise. But, you know, I like to do kind of a hybrid. Like I always think about like trying to push that out. That's funny. That's interesting. I like that. Yeah. See, I've done I've definitely done that, like come out and be like, I'm going to mess around. And then I've definitely come and been like, I'm going to do the jokes first and get them laughing. And I think. I probably have had um, 50, 50 success rate with like, or like one being better than the other. There have been times where I'm like, I got them rolling off the improvised thing. And then, you know, half the time it like, they're like, this is like, I went in Wisconsin. I'm like talking about cheese curds. They're like, shut the fuck up. Do your jokes. <laughs> Everybody talks about cheese curds when they come here or something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah you like, think it's going to be money and then it just ends up being whatever, whatever. And you're like, oh, I yeah. And then I'm just like, it. all right. And then here come the jokes. So I find it safer to do um, the jokes, but I find it more exciting to, yeah, to start off in that blank space and try to figure it out. Yeah, it's just a it's just a, like a one spot in your set that you do have probably like a five minute safety net. But uh, the last time I went went out with Joe Para, like he's been writing like he writes writes like his jokes are like and they're current too. like uh -huh. not like Hedberg would write, write and have jokes or Stephen writes like they would just be boom and shelved like he's he seems to be always writing and always kind of fucking with that tone and that character and everything like in, in building on it. I don't know. Uh, I was really inspired and you He's, just toured with them. Right. And do you guys have similar writing styles on stage or. Um, I don't know that our styles are similar. I do think we think the same things are funny. Um, but like the thing that really like amazes me and surprises me with Joe is that like, like I love his material that's obvious but like we'll do this thing when we tour where we both come on stage at the end <clears throat> and we'll basically just make fun of each other and sometimes I'll be like recycling like jokes that I that worked at a different show on him because I'm like I gotta laugh and then he comes up with a new story about me 
every time that is completely fake and it destroys and i'm like are you just like sitting around thinking about like different burns on me all day and then you just pop them out at the show like his mind is really creative and like it's not and it's not just a joke it's a full story about how i kicked the chicken and the chicken came following me and you know this and like we were in um there i think it was uh tampa there's like loose chickens running around and that's like normal and but it was either yeah it was tampa and you know he 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 went on with this huge long rant about how I kick chickens, and the audience <laughs> is loving it. And I'm like, this is fucked up. <laughs> this is not <laughs> so funny though. He's he's yeah. really like he's got a good improvised mind. And then he'll come out at the beginning of his set, and I'd already gone about twenty minutes. In the first five minutes of that set, it's making fun of me. And then the last when we're on stage, it's making fun of me, and it's all different jokes every time. And I'm like. I never told him that, but it's pretty impressive. I don't yeah, yeah, to- yeah, super impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Like, I feel kind of slack when I'm around Joe. Like, he does work very hard. As anybody could say, he got his own television show within like ten years of doing stand up. Like, he just fo- he has a great focus, and especially, I just feel like his tone is just so silly and goofball that it's like fresh and uh, punk rock to me. That I'm like, oh yeah, man. <laughs> I'll talk about mason jars for 30 minutes too, man. Let's go. <laughs> oh, you guys open up your thumb. Oh shit. That's it, all right. My bad. I think that's the thing that separates Joe from comedians that don't have a show is not as much as his weird tone, but mostly his work ethic. Like you yeah. said, he has this focus where he's like, he tries to do something he follows through and there's no reason in his mind that he thinks that he shouldn't be able to do that. Like it's always been like a big goal for Joe. Like, you know what I mean? Like when I moved to New York, he helped me with my like first web series that I sold to super deluxe. It's like super deluxe gave me like $60,000 to make a web series. I was in Chicago. Like we just shot everything ourselves. Like nothing had more of a budget over a hundred dollars, you know, it's like $60,000 is fucking nuts. Wow. You know, but like, like he helped me sell that with our manager at the time. And then like, even like being like seeing him be like, he has a show or he's doing this, he's that. It's like, it's nice to have friends like that. Cause then you don't feel bad about having these big goals, like a television show, a stand up special or whatever, because I think, and I don't know if it's like this in Buffalo, but in Chicago, there is a lot of like, you know, it feels like you have to leave Chicago because it feels like people aren't necessarily like, if you want to shine too much, that's kind of weird. You know what I mean? They're like, what are you doing? Who do you see? Go yeah. to, go to, yeah, get in the factory or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like my whole, my whole family's like, you know, construction workers and carpenters and stuff and blue collar and no one went to college or anything. So it's like, it is funny to think like nobody like was able to like help support this type of career. You have to like get the friends around you that are supportive of your humor because nobody knows how to support it because nobody's done that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're on your own voyage. You know, you're definitely on your own trip the whole time and you have to like, 
push forward and then your old cats kind of like are not doing what you're doing because you know just doing stand up or performing you're literally putting yourself out there for free over and over again so it's like it, it very few people can relate that's why so many dudes are like single and shit like you know it's just very yeah. so if you do find good friends a good girlfriend hang on you know because uh yeah you know it's just hard it, you know showbiz is dope but it's also hard you know there's a price to pay for like the lifestyle a little bit totally totally and like part of the lifestyle is kind of a decision i made recently to like move to uh la because the new york lifestyle is really hard it beats you up man like it's exhausting yeah. it's hard to do everything it's hard to get on the train get yelled at by random people and like it smells like fucking piss everywhere and you know you gotta grab a quick like thing to eat at the bodega and just go and do your show and that's your dinner and like fucking like it's go 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 constantly and it never feels like enough but <clears throat> like part of like being out here is to have focus so that i can try to write my own television show my own movie you know because like <clears throat> you get caught up like in new york i was like i felt very like caught up in the scene and like being invited to always do shows well you're cool carmen everybody's gonna invite you out everybody wants to party with you everybody's gonna invite you out to their show i would oh, put you on my podcast but yeah there thanks, is a buddy. lot to do <laughs> you end up going out out here and you can get dragged in all different types of directions that's not really leading to <clears throat> selling a script getting a television show is just leading you to having a couple fun nights <laughs> yeah and it's it's a and there's nothing wrong with that if that's it is fun yeah if that's what you want to do the whole time and like it's awesome but i also have like these bigger things i want to do and it's really hard to do them in new york i think for me yeah <clears throat> I, I don't think that's true i think i could have figured it out whatever you figure out wherever you're at. So wherever you're at is great, dude. Uh, and so and I'm, I appreciate you being on this podcast. This is the Cannabis Coffee Hour. You've been on. We've got 48 minutes here, dude. You've been too cool. Uh, where are you at with cannabis real quick? Do you smoke? Do you like it? Uh, oh, that's funny. I'm, I I smoke occasionally. Like, like, I can't. Like, I know you smoked before this. Like, I would not be able to smoke and do like a podcast because then my mind just like thinks that like you hate me the whole time or like I'm saying something stupid. I get really paranoid. Um, right, the right. type of smoker I am is like, I'll smoke um, in my house in a secure place with, you know, people that I want to be around and watch something or do it before bed. But I'm not like a, I'm not a functioning smoker. Like, what I can't are you watching? Are you watching a music documentary? Are you watching a series? Are you animation? I'm watching Mad Men, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Crank up some Mad Men. Is it, is, do you actually watch it or is it more in a, just a noise factor at this point? Or just like, my I'm wife watching. has shows where she just has seen them all, but she just watches them. <laughs> I'm watching it. And if I miss, any detail i'm hitting that 15 second rewind button like i have to know i can't miss a detail i love <laughs> that show so much it's so good the writing is crazy like that in sopranos i go through different um 
phases of I just watch one thing and yes. then anything else is like noise. But I have been watching some movies just because, you know, Oscar season. Yeah. Get the screeners. What are you watching? Um, well, I've been watching the bear. I've been watching the bear because I had you on. So I was like, and but that tripped me out because I was like, oh, shit, this is a drama. This is yeah. dark. Like, I thought it was going to be a half hour, like, because con- I know your style. So it's just wild. <laughs> uh, but uh, I've been did watching. You get to my, did you get to my episodes yet? Or I have, which one is your episode? Is it three? I'm, I'm at- in three, four. And I'm, then I'm, I'm like at two pasta in the last one. I think I barely would say that I'm in that episode. Dude, that's the number one show. I mean, that show is on every like that's the type of show like if you drop like you say it to somebody, they're like, yeah, my wife watched it already, like killed it like within the first like week it was out, man. I mean, I'm behind the eight ball with a lot of shows like I watch a lot of stuff. The other night I watched the movie Sting. The Sting? Sting? I haven't seen it. Oh, it's like the uh, Robert Redford, uh, Paul Newman. Oh, the Sting. The Sting. Very so old school. And I thought it was going to be great, but the script had some holes in it. <laughs> the I was script like, what? Had a couple holes in it. Like, I didn't believe the con. Like, the whole thing was about the big con. And I remember when I was young, when I saw it, when I was like 10 or 11. And it's a great film. I mean, it's like, and just watching how films, like, like, like that was like the number one film of that day. And I kind of remember that was like the first movie out on VHS. And wow. kind of like, was like the one of the first movies in my like psyche that and animal house there's a couple like star wars there's like those 80s type of joints that i'm like i'm into but yeah i was re-watching that uh yeah and then uh i watched a pele documentary that was pretty dope that it was like right before he died like i just finished it and then he died no way yeah that's fucking sad huh or i was sad to watch it yeah, I don't know. Did you play sports in, in high school? Did you play soccer? I would think like Chicago's like a soccer town. Chicago's a football town, man, and basketball. Did I you played play football. I played football. I played football. I definitely rode the bench, but we had an incredible team. We like we went eleven and one my junior and senior year. Basically, like we lost to the team that won the state championship by like a last second pass and then they went on to the state championship and won by like 50 so our game was like the game you know it was like the score was like 56 to 50 we ran a five wide at the time it was like unheard of in high school football it was really cool is this a big school or a small school one two three catholic private smaller that's why it was a surprise uh we, we were playing a catholic school so we were like our school was only like 200 people a class. So it was like 800 to a thousand people. And then we took, you know, we took on all these big teams. It was kind of cool, but I played basketball cool. my freshman year too. Oh, nice. Basketball is a great sport too. I think basketball, like football, I will say like, it weirds me out now. Like I, I would say I'm more of a pacifist. A lot of this gun shit, all this shit. Like I'm definitely leaning pacifism and spirituality and all that. But football is so violent, you know, but at the same time, I remember it. There is something to that fear and just getting lit up. And then I just remember like sacking a dude. I was playing fullback and this dude came through and I just hit him like perfectly. Like I I just fucking laid him out. I just remember just feeling so good. And it just like a scary rush 
Like, I don't know. There's a healthiness to it because life is scary. Yeah, there's something about like I used to be like I was smaller than everybody. So I would throw my body in like tackling drills at people. And some of the old taller receivers hated going against me because I would just fucking destroy their legs. They're just a cannonball. You just spazzed yeah. out. You just took all that pain from your childhood and just slung yourself right into them. And like nothing hurt me because I was so small and in so many pads that I would just fucking run full speed into people and like really like hit oh, people shit. and um did you ever carry the ball no fuck Got oh it. i did in um i played running back once in grade school and um everybody was getting hurt in a game and we were just getting our asses destroyed and then they gave me the ball once and I got knocked out and I just like kind of laid on the ground longer than I should have because I didn't want to play anymore. And I think they canceled the game. I <laughs> <laughs> was in like first or second grade. You were like, I'm going to stop running the ball. Yeah. Yeah. You just get killed. It's crazy. It's like, okay, the game is whoever has the ball, you try to kill them. Not like really kill them, but you do try, you try to, to do. I, yeah. got, I was, I was returning uh, a kick in practice once. And I called fair catch and guy that we're practicing in didn't give a shit. He just went full speed ahead of me. Absolutely destroyed me. Like it was the first time I ever had snot coming out of my nose from my hip, like, like knocked me out. And I had like, like true, like bubbles coming out of my nose. It was oh, yeah. That, that hurts. The back of your head hurts your chest. The air comes out of your chest. It's scary as hell. Like, it's just like, oh, did I just get hit by a train? It's like, it is brutal. Um, but you know, you're young and you can bounce right back up. Speaking of, we're wrapping up, but, uh, do, what about your coffee thing? Do you, what, what's your, what's your go-to? Do you like coffee? Are you like, oh, I'm not fucking with that shit. Dude, I'm the worst guess i don't i i i don't i barely i drink the best i like tea i like tea and then i drink and then i drink coffee when it's like a it's like a supplement like i need like a like a secret like weapon for a special like i'm like acting on something or like or if i'm 3 p.m you're like yeah you're we're up all night you just have to knock out this scene and you're like give me a little small duncan yeah or if i'm on like vacation and i'm like i really want to take this in but i'm being a lazy bum you know what i mean i'll, I'll i yeah. drink it occasionally because my my like my, my migraines i get when i like get off of the coffee they're so bad so yeah. i try to go tea that's dope man everybody's nervous system's different do you go green i was fiending for tea this morning because i had a little sniffle so i was like i'm gonna go with a green tea and knock this thing out and i didn't have any green tea what what's your joint of what's your tea of preference I just I go green tea or sometimes I make matcha. I learned at my just good. I, I got I know how to I got to make a good homemade matcha. There's a good place. You in, get the fresh matcha. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, it's uh yeah that's my that's my that's my thing. I'm a tea head. Tea head all day, man. I can dig it. Uh, thank you for being on the Cannabis Coffee Hour, Carmen. Everybody check out Carmen Christopher on television shows, on uh, on his website. He tours doing stand-up. Uh, look out. Look out, man. Thanks for having me, buddy. Uh, thanks for doing it, homie. All right. Later, dude. Peace and love. Thank you. Peace and love.